Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan and Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution. We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo, guests that help you think differently, and nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You. Authentic you. Okay, hey, TNT listeners, have you ever felt weird? You know, like you're on a roller coaster, on a freight train, down a rabbit hole? Our guest today, Shelley Brown, certainly has, and she's much better for it. She's a corporate strategist who spent 25 years practicing the fine arts of mergers, acquisitions, downsizings, public-private transitions, acts of God, performance reviews, KPIs, workplace cultures, and so much more. Shelley kept her weird to herself until... As an ultra runner, her vertebrae collapsed, forcing her to rethink who she was and why she was. Through this adversity, Shelley learned to allow her individuality to shine through, tapping into her extreme creativity and fearlessness to make a greater impact on the world. This confidence, along with a lifetime serving the hospitality, technology and convention markets, gave Shelley the unique opportunity to make a remarkable difference, building a program that helped countless leaders and employees learn to be the drivers of their own awareness so they could become more effective, productive and present. A bold speaker, future New York Times best-selling author, incredible ball of positive energy, Shelley has learned to allow her weird to shine through turning it from a label to a way of being. A pandemic resume includes writing a book, launching a greeting card line, and becoming a self-taught pop artist. Incredible, engaging, and fun. Shelley encourages audiences to allow their weird, embracing individuality to land at a place of inclusion. Yes. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, Shelley, a much loved and a respected member of our inner circle, part of our alumni mastermind group it was so proud and excited to have you here to talk about the journey you've been on and especially talk about the new book welcome oh, yeah that was amazing and i'm so happy to be with you guys it feels like coming home to my people thank you so much for having me i'd like to first kick off with weird so for people who are hearing this the weird is an acronym so w-e-i-r-d so let's kick off there tell us what those words mean to you and, and how they are going to be making an impact for individuals, teams, organizations, and what that means through the medium of books, art, speaking, all that good stuff that you are. Thanks. So I always thought I was weird. I think most people have thought of a time in their life where like, I'm weird, you know, because something about us gets judged and we're like, oh, that's so weird, you know, and weird could be odd or it can be fascinating. It could be like, ew, or it could be really cool. But I decided that weird would be such a great acronym for action to help build a bridge for people to feel more like who they are in the context of work. Weird as an acronym is the framework for what I bring to organizations and individuals now. And the W is welcoming. When you think about you 
sign up for your cable and you get the best rate because you're new. And then like a year later, when you're going to renew, they try to like raise the price so much. And you're like, damn, I have to quit the cable company so that I could be a new customer again, so that I can be welcomed with this great new rate. And isn't that what we tend to do? Like with employees and in culture, we roll out the welcome mat. And then after they're onboarding, we're like, pull it back up. They're no longer new. It's kind of like, how do we continuously make them feel welcome? So that's on the context of organizations and individually, it's how do we continually welcome ourselves? How do we continually extend that welcome mat to ourselves in all of our emotions? And you know, this Reese and Teresa, you know, how do we welcome all that there is when it's not the good stuff all the time? And then the E of weird is engaging. How do we engage with our full presence? How do we listen? How do we stand at our awareness so that we can engage with somebody else who's not like us? Or maybe they even are and we're in our own heads. So how can we really engage in the best way to make somebody else who's with us feel like we're right there for them same with ourselves. How can we fully engage with our full presence? Because we all know we all show up better when we can be who we are. The I is integrating. So if you're like me, you've been one person outside of work, one person at work, one person as an athlete, one person, you know, everywhere in your life, you're somebody else and you're not fully integrated. So from an individual perspective, the integration is the integration of all of who we are to come into our lives authentically. And then when we talk about it organizationally, what are we talking about? We're talking about all these different types of people that are so different, but really allowing all of those individuals to integrate, to have the best cultural jam and vibe to make everybody feel great. Because as business operators, we want to be successful and we're no, and we know we'll be successful when our people feel good. And then the R is risk taking. So the R of weird is risk-taking, and that is, what am I willing to open up to? I think everybody should look like Reese. You know, I think that people who work in my organization should look right, like Reese, act like Reese, talk like Reese. How can I take risks to expand out of that myopic view of what I think is acceptable so that I can expand out? And then same as the individual, what am I willing to risk to show that I'm completely weird and I'm all right with it? And this is what I bring because when I bring me, you get the best of me. And then all of those things are, all those pieces in place allow for a dynamic culture or a dynamic person to be fluid and shifting and changing. So that is weird as an acronym, that is the framework for what I bring to organizations for speaking, for leadership, what I bring to cultures, for individuals, and that's my jam. You know what I love so much about that is so many times in your explanation of each element of the whole package is the necessary to balance the self-focused and the other-focused, and our capacity to do that 
I think from my perspective begins with the grounding in the self. Like if I'm good, then when I'm other focused, I don't have to worry about like the me part of it. I can be fully other focused. And so I wanted to hear a little bit about your thoughts on how do you get the self focused in their weirdness? <laughs> well, it's really, it's really making a connection uh, about weird. Like when I'm talking to an organization, the first thing I talk about is, you know, back in the eighties, if you didn't have these legs pantyhose that came in an egg and you didn't wear these, you were weird. And then asking people like, what did you do that you think is weird? And the minute one person says, well, I'm gonna ask you, Teresa, what did you do through your career or you know, a specific time where you look back on now and you're like, oh my God, that's so weird. Oh, um, I don't, I don't know. Did, did I do anything that I would have thought was that so weird or other people would have thought was weird? I know I can probably come up with like, is it just me moments where I was like, is it just me? <laughs> As opposed to it's just me. Well, you know what? And that's where the connection is made. So it doesn't, it's easy to do it based on clothing, mm -hmm. but that's the thing is, is you can base it on anything that you think that you look back on and think is weird. And chances are other people are going to be like, me too. Me too. Mm. In and my so career, for sure, it was, I wrote my job profiles for the next job that I wanted. They didn't exist. And that was weird because it wasn't anything that anyone had done in this particular company before, but it's not like it was something that no one ever did. It was just weird in the one that I was in. Yeah. But you know what? There's probably a zillion other people who did it too, yeah. you know, and it's so making that connection so that even though it's the self, we're not in isolation, mm -hmm. our thoughts and feelings are completely human. And so when you make that connection, that something that you thought was weird, it's really not. It's something that is really common to humanity. And that takes us out of that isolation so that it is about the self, but the self in connection to others. Does that help answer your question? Yes. Awesome. Okay, so thinking about the first time you joined us, uh, we were talking about rock star mindfulness. And now I'm thinking about this time now we're, we're focusing on, on the weird and we're focusing on, on, on the book. And then something that I know is very important to you is your pandemic resume. So I wanted to know, um, besides the obvious, we were in a pandemic, is there mm -hmm. something that happened during you know the 18 months or how long it's been since we sat down and recorded this? that made you <clears throat> embrace that weird or at least push that weird right to the top so that, you know, it came out sometimes, but now it's just all out and proud hundred <laughs> percent. Like, you know, me, I always had a poncho on for wearing red headbands, but uh, you know, my wife and my parents always told me it wasn't really appropriate. And sometimes in meetings as well, my boss would say, you know, I love what you're saying, but I don't think it's really working. It's distracting. It's not really helping sell, uh, sell the, sell the products. And, it was okay when I worked for the tennis headband company, but right now it's not really appropriate, but <clears throat> I don't know. It's a, what happened for you? What made you fully embrace that weird and make it your raison d'etre? So uh, thanks. I always did. It just, it's no, I didn't always, but, but I have for, for a long time now, because it's really not about aesthetics. It's about my own perspective, my own point of view and who I am as a person. And 
I'll start with talking about what happened with, with a rock star mindfulness. Obviously it was for me, mindfulness has nothing to do has, let me take that back. Mindfulness has everything to do with how we show up for each other. And so my approach to introducing mindfulness and bringing mindfulness programs into the world had everything to do with how we show up together because nobody cares if you're calm and mindful if you don't show up well with other people. And so it was that premise that I had this program, Rockstar Mindfulness, where I used rock music to help people understand what are we doing with this mindfulness thing? And then the pandemic started and I was starting to do virtual talks, but everybody really wanted me to talk about mindfulness for stress reduction, which it does beautifully, but that's not my slice of the pie that I really wanna talk about. What I really wanna care about is how can we show up better, better together? we weren't showing up together. So I said, all right, I'm going to take a step back. I started listening to music. I started playing around with a bunch of art and realized that I had this like compendium of writing that I'd been doing for years and decided to write my book. And so the book is a lot about sort of the, the journey to mindfulness the brand is really what happens when we practice this thing. Because being who we are has everything to do with self-awareness. Being who we are has everything to do with allowing the judgment to be there and watching it, watching its impermanence. And so I really thought about how mindfulness has served me the most and how it can serve people in organizations. And it really has everything to do with taking that sweater, a narrative of judgment off and throwing it around your neck and having it be your superpower. And then also using some of the practices of, of self-awareness to help other people be free to be who they are too. And that like element around that, I think really highlights uh, the I in the weird brand, the integration, the removal of over here, I'm this way, over there, I'm this way. And it's exhausting for me to be like that. And because I'm so exhausted in all of this effort, I'm likely stressed, anxious, overwhelmed. And then I just don't, I don't perform well. My right. contribution to the whole piece is going to be diminished. So the integration of myself is me everywhere. Exactly. And so, so in your, in your pandemic resume, did you find that you, that you, even though you've been working on this for a long time, did you also find that you came closer and closer to you? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, you know, something that you just said, Teresa, I want to address because while I totally believe that organizations have to make things psychologically safe mm -hmm. and that people who are in leadership roles really, really need to practice self-awareness mm -hmm. so that not only can they model humanity, vulnerability, and all the things that make us human, but also make it really safe for others to be their human selves. And I think that there's, there's something else 
on the individual level, nobody can give you permission to be you if you don't give it to yourself. So you can have the safest environment. You can have the best leaders who think you are the shit. And if you are siloing yourself and you can't take off your own mask, nobody's going to pull it off. So a lot of the practices of mindfulness come into play of letting go of judgment and letting go of these narratives so that we can take agency and be the authors of our, of our own lives and, and take those risks and integrate and welcome and do all those things from the weird acronym from an individual perspective. Mm -hmm. But I got to be me because during the pandemic, to go back to your question, when we continually give ourselves space, that's when new things can come in. If we're in, in the store and our cart is full, we either got to put things away or get another cart to add to it. Or if we're a restaurant and we're at capacity, we can't take new reservations. And we all know it's the same for the mind. If we don't create space, nothing new can come in. And so when I created a lot of space by getting off of social media, getting off of LinkedIn and, and listening to music and doing more meditation, this like crazy art came out of me and from nowhere, I never drew in my life and I taught myself to draw. And, and I don't know if that's what other people's jam is, but when we create space, we can let the new in and the new could be whatever that new is, who knows what it could be, but it's pretty amazing. We can let the new in. And I also think we can let the OG reveal itself, like arrive. Ten. Yes. Yes. Because that is so true because I totally think that I'm more like I was as a young person and with some of the interests and some of the curiosity and some of the freeness to ex be self-expressive that I was as a kid now. Mm. Yeah. hundred percent agree with that. That is the, that original essence of who you are, whether it's your weird, whether it's your true self, whether it's something that um, you've had to consciously hide away from, or sorry, keep hidden, or whether it's something that other people have, you know, kind of metaphorically beaten out of you. Um, but I think what in your experience, and for me, I know that, you know, having that <clears throat> rememberingness, that, um, that, that letting go of all these things that you think you needed to be, uh, to not become anything new, not to transcend into anything uh, unusual, but to actually just be your true self. So when I was talking to someone earlier, we were talking about belonging, we we're talking about um, psychological safety and just to be devil's advocate, I was like, well, <clears throat> if you're really confident and assured and, and, and know in yourself who you are, you, you wanna show up in this authentic way, um, there, there is no fear essentially, does it then make the, uh, the whole idea of psychological safety a mute point because if I'm confident in what I'm saying I'm not going to have any hang-ups about are they creating this space for me are they allowing me to be this way I'm just going to be that way and then obviously in not a confrontational way that you know pisses people off but in a way that is um, going to keep you from having those social and, and emotional and psychological um, <clears throat> repercussions that you either push down well, uh, and they come back bigger, blow up, or you, you know, <clears throat> just deny them continually. But um, so interesting thought there. Do you think that this being weird, this true self negates that idea? I know that 
belonging is obviously an important narrative of the of the, of the acronym that you're trying to um, share. But I wanted to see your thought and you, Teresa, especially about this psychological safety. It, we, we put too much emphasis on the company and the leaders and the team to to mm -hmm. build that safe space for us. But if we can come with it already inside us, we don't need anyone else to there to um, supplement it or to to build it up for us. And there's a, a fine play there, obviously, between uh, am I am I relying on you to create something for me, or am I able to just show up as me and and therefore uh, allow. Or, or rather model that behavior so that everyone else kind of then repeats it and it ripples out and there's no no emphasis on the leader to be the person who makes everyone safe that's such a, a brilliant question and and i've thought a lot about this it's both and <laughs> both and and as a speaker i have to pick a lane so like i'll talk to leaders about about creating that for for people and also, you know, talk about how they need to model that. But individuals, I talk about that piece that you're talking about. There's one piece that is the differentiator, and that is performance. Because you can be who you are, and you could be confident, and you could be, you know, not in fear, and still not have like the skills to be number one on that freaking KPI data chart. You know what I mean? Like you can be like, mm-hmm, I can do this, but there's still, there's still performance metrics that come into place. And also I think that no matter how confident you are, you still wanna feel like you belong. It still matters because some people may have enough swagger or whatever a good word is to be like, I don't care what people think of me. But when you are with people, whether it's virtually and you're on a team, whether you're with them in person or whether you're virtual or you're remote or whatever it is, you still want the sense of culture and belonging. And so it doesn't all come from you. So it's both and, and that's, that's my thought. It's like a fundamental law for everyone, right? Needs that Aslow, connection, yeah. that connection in tribe, right. clan or whichever word, family, whichever word we'd like to use here. That is a necessary draw, which sometimes can tip the balance from our weird. Like if I have to sacrifice one or the other, am I going to sacrifice my weird or my belonging? Which is maybe why it's so wonderful that weird is a, is the and equation. You don't have to do either or. We're talking about inclusive to all here. We're talking about weird applies to you as an individual and weird as us as a whole, which is so great because the head scratcher questions that organizations will often ask is, why can't we get each person to do X, Y, and Z? Well, because each person probably can't do X, Y, and Z, at least not in the condition that they're arriving to work. So if we've got leaders that don't know how to address X and Y and Z gaps in individuals, then we can't really create an environment where we can help people close those gaps. So we send them on their way, free up their future. You know, we do something like that instead of maybe... Um, let's learn how to close those gaps 
as an entity of collection of people. Maybe me as the leader isn't the best person to close your ex, but someone in this organization is. Yeah. But is it really necessary to have everybody to be able to be to be able to do X, Y, and Z? Isn't it the case that we want, isn't that also the case that it exemplifies this idea of weird and true self is that I want someone who's badass at X and I want this person who's amazing at Y and this person who's Z. And the only when we can have them all together, and that's my job as a leader, to mold them together, not to recreate autom automatons to, you know, just all do that same stuff and hit those KPIs. I know we're going off a different question here, but. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, it's funny. I, the first analogy that comes to my mind is, is like dating. We want that person to be the be all end all of all mm -hmm. of those things, you know? And when we, when we hire people, we want them to be like fully capable for, for all those things. And I think I think sometimes what happens is we say that we say we want to know it's the myopic view. It's the risk taking piece of weird. It's like we say we want it's okay for people to have specific gifts, but if we're not willing to look at those specific gifts and talents, then we want them to fit this mold and we're not really taking that risk to open up our myopic view of what each person can bring to be a to be a big important piece of the whole we want everybody to be like that right yeah i agree with you reese that that is what we want we want to be able to capitalize on the strengths of the individual and then create the dynamics of a team we just i don't think that not all but maybe it's a very small population. And I'm just guessing statistics here, of course, a small population of companies that actually say they want that and then set up the structure of the company to right. be able to do that. Because I mean, I led people in different positions and the job profile and the performance review is the same for each individual. And I'm measuring performance to these metrics that say you have to be X, Y, and Z. Yep. And you don't get a bonus now because you weren't able to do X, Y, and Z, even if you threw X off the charts. Yep. It's yeah. crazy. And I know that there were, you know, I know that there was a couple of things that I was going to say. And, you know, I know that for me, um, I was one of those people, like when I was selling technology and I was selling enterprise technology, that I was I was so not tactical. I was much more strategic, and I was failing as a tactical, you know, quick velocity salesperson because that wasn't my that wasn't my way of selling, you know. And and so ultimately, I was I was moved to a, a longer a, a position that would actually utilize that skill of mine, but I suffered because that quick transitional thing was not my way. And luckily I had somebody who saw that in me and said, all right, let's put her over here. But it sucks to, to be told that you're supposed to fulfill this job description, you know, A, B, C, D, E, all the way through those, those exact things. And yet you have other gifts that people are, are not seeing like where that could be a great fit for the organization. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're talking about next level selection, retention and uh, development. We're talking about leaders who, you know, don't just 
say say a, a good game and actually deliver it like you just said there they recognized your strength was this and they took you out of this put and put you in somewhere that would allow you to flourish yes and so what happens is we get into the it's it's, it's not you it's me and we're really saying it is you you know and then the people are like you make it impossible for me to be who I am. And then we look at employees and you're not performing. And then it's a blame. And then the blame gets in the way of actually reframing the situation in a way that will work for everybody. So it's kind of really awesome about weird as well as there's lots of ing's, which means we are <laughs> acting. Exactly. Action. Um, instead of your words being like value-based words, which, you know, the miss sometimes in our ability to fully express who we are as individuals and then fully realize as an organization is we put words um, that aren't action-oriented in their singularity. And then we need a description underneath to say, okay, so what does this value of care integrity what does it look like in action we have to define it for people so they know these are observable things we would see you doing your acronym just builds them right in well it thanks because we all know what we want we know it, especially organizationally we know that people work the best when they can be who they are so we can't assign a value to to what do we want these people to be but we can put action around helping a feeling helping an experience you know to to occur by by shifting a mindset yeah okay so we've talked about your your expertise in mindfulness which was always an an early inspiration for me we've talked about your art and you know how much i love your collages and, and obviously your new um pop art which is developed which is always fun um but for me your superpower has always been your well i guess it's the bigger thing is creativity but your superpower is your words like your writing your stories like the, the you. things you used to post the articles you used to post was so always made me laugh, always touched my heart, always made me think and always made me inspired to do something better or, or to write something myself. So um, I don't know whether we have time, uh, whether you feel urged, whether you have something you wanted to share and please can we have a look, a, a shot of the book on, on the camera. This is coming out very soon. Um, June 25th. So 22nd, yeah. 22nd, actually. 22nd, sorry. Yeah, okay, the on the 25th. Yeah. <laughs> June 22nd um, with a book party on June 25th. We'll make sure we have all of that in the show notes. Yes. Coming out before yes. then, isn't it? I think we're going to do it. We're putting it through. So it's coming out this straight away, record and, and put it out so yes. people can hear, people can see. Uh, I know there's been a lot of uh, hype and, and action and activity around the pre-sales and there's been some great reviews already. I wondered if you could share um, a little story or, or anything, any reflection that you've had of what writing this book has meant to you. Well, thank you. And first of all, I'm going to give you guys a big shout out because the two of you were very instrumental on me moving forward with this because the way that you received my words and my posts on LinkedIn and, and you, you, both of you were like, write a book. <laughs> you did. And so I did. So I'm going to read a little bit of the preface because it's a good tee up for what this book is about. And by the way, people, Beach Read, short little essays, not a linear book. You can pick it up anywhere and be like, oh, Nama leaving. Sounds like a really good story. <laughs> <laughs> so the preface. 
Life is like a very long after school special. Some of you may remember them, and if you're too young, just envision a pre-Netflix series about the average, controversial, dramatic, traumatizing, complicated life situation, followed by a solution. Except the solution isn't a half an hour episode. It's a journey and a continuum. It's this weird life. Sometimes our weird doesn't know it's weird until our weirding is judged by others in an indelible way. For example, at a precarious, prepubescent, pimply period in my life, otherwise known as age 12, Oof. my journal was discovered by my classmates. Oof. The discovery of my private journal led to relentless bullying along with a very serious suicide attempt by taking three aspirin. The moral of the story is that at times it feels as though our weird is growing while at the same time we're trapped in a downward elevator with no buttons. Our inner weird person thinks each floor is the bottom, yet the elevator continues to go downward. And then I go into the different levels of the downward, but I'm gonna skip over to tell you a little bit more about what this book is about. Weird Girl Adventures is a compilation of my own weird experiences that go from the bottom level to the top floor of impossibility. You don't have to like it, love it, or embrace it. Simply allow. This is my invitation to you. When we allow our weird, who knows what else is possible? Yay. Oh my gosh. I'm so, so proud of you. I can't wait for my coffee. Like I can't wait for my coffee. I'm so excited. So proud of you. Thank Congratulations you. already. New York Times bestselling author. That's right, people. E-Y, E-Y, Shelly with an E-Y. <laughs> So how can people then, when they listen to this, go, oh, she, she does speaking. She does this. She does that. I had no idea. How can people be in touch with you Thanks. to be able to get your weird in their weird? <laughs> you can get your weird in my weird by reaching out to me through LinkedIn. You can visit my website which is weirdgirladventures.com. And um, I'm on Instagram too, at weirdgirladventures. Really the easiest way probably is LinkedIn. And then if you wanna order the book, it's on Amazon, it's on Barnes and Noble, it's on Walmart and Target. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, and really the message is, in this book is, you know, if you laugh with me, that's awesome. If you laugh at me, that's awesome. If you laugh at yourself, that's amazing. If you cry with me, cry because of something you're familiar with. I mean, we only have a set range of human emotions, people. So this is you. This is you dressed as me. Use all the emotions. We love it. So speaking of We'd like to tie our shows with a lovely bow in our rapid fire Q&A. And question one of that rapid fire Q&A is, 
Which emotion, Shelly Brown, catches you off guard most often? <laughs> Probably sadness. Mm. And what do you do to regulate that emotion in the moment? I usually cry and also bear witness, knowing that it's not going to remain there, knowing that it's okay to feel it, allow it, and know that it will pass. Yeah, I'm just going to take a small little tangent to be able to say more like a side trail. You are the queen of impermanence, which is <laughs> magnificent to witness that. Yeah, really powerful. Oh, thank you. Number three. One of the biggest things to learn in life. Yeah, you're, you're not kidding. <laughs> Number three. What's next in your personal evolution? In my personal evolution, I have the ISBN for another book. Besides speaking, I have the ISBN number for a, another book, and it's called Bullshit, the space between where you are and where you think you should be that causes should shaming. So potentially my book was double the length. And so half of the stories are still there that have been unpublished. So I'm not sure that those are going to go into bullshit. I think bullshit is going to be more of a, more of a, how do we let go of the should shaming that we. Mm. Preface by Brene Brown. She's not related, but same last name. Why not? Maybe a distant yes. relative. <laughs> Question four, when your best friend is having a meltdown, what do you say to them? I don't, I ask them what they need from me. Would you like me to just listen? Would you like me to share my perspective? How can I be here for you? Mm -hmm. And five, in this moment, what are you most looking forward to or most hopeful for? I'm most looking forward to getting off this Zoom and going to the pool. <laughs> what, I, <laughs> what I'm most looking forward to is traveling and speaking and engaging with groups of people. Here, here. Well, we love you and always are grateful for you spending time with us in our podcast. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your book, your story, your wisdom, your pandemic resume. It was magnificent. I love both of you so much. I'm going to cry knowing <laughs> that it's impermanent, but I seriously do. And you've made a huge difference in my life and the lives of so many others. And that's what we're here to do. Amen. Yeah. So you too, right back at you. You've been a good inspiration. You've been a good ear to listen to. And you are leading the way in the book writing thing. Because, you know, Teresa is also, I've obviously in her ear to write a book and, you know, obviously in my own ear so you know you're one up on that on that respect although nearly two by the sound of it um so yeah i just want to wish you phenomenal success i know that it's coming i can't wait to see what uh transpires from your art from your writing from your speaking from your own personal growth and uh, i'm just ha so happy and glad to be uh on the sidelines to cheer you on and to have you on the show and to um <clears throat> you know be be part of our inner circle as we said at the start it's a, it's an honor and it's a privilege and um <clears throat> we, we we can't wish any more happiness and success for you so thank you so much, thank you so much. <clears throat> You're not thanks for listening to this episode of tnt please share subscribe rate and review 
And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com. And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com.